today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcanta. If a politician is advocating an unbiblical and grieving position, we should seek to change their mind and we should seek to cast our vote and advocate for appropriate policies to restrain evil. But we are also to encourage good. In the first century, this would have been super obvious to the people there because whenever the government wanted to sort of promote something good, they would like literally build a giant monument to that guy or that thing. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Christians, we're called to restrain evil and to encourage good. In our society, we've been blessed with a democracy which allows us to have a voice in politics. If there is a politician that's talking about passing policy and making laws that are contrary to God's word, we can vote against that person. At the same time, we should be giving our resources and time toward encouraging good works in the world. There are many organizations that we can get involved with that are doing good work. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message entitled, God and Government. We should seek to exercise that role to punish evil and to encourage and promote good. Now this requires several things. It requires you to be aware of your role in governing, your duties, your responsibilities. It requires you to, when possible, to exercise your rights, such as voting, where you play a governmental function. Um, you can advocate for and promote policies, both, both formally and informally, such as gathering a petition or calling your congressman. And we all, at different times in our lives, exercise specific functions uh, when we're chosen or elected to things, such as everybody's favorite, jury duty, right? This is a charge for anyone that ever is sitting in a holding queue waiting to go in and judge something. The charge is this, restrain evil, promote good. It applies if you're voted into school board. It applies, it, it applies if you're voted into local government. Um, our church has a kind of a disproportionate number of folks that are on some level employed by the government, right? We have a number of soldiers and their families. We have a number of government, uh, kind of federal government officials. We have a number of even kind of on the local level, like school teachers. And so the charge is for you as well. In, in terms of you playing a role in the government of the United States of America, receive this charge. Restrain evil, promote what is good. Don't look the other way when evil occurs. Don't leave good things undone. You, the, you receive this charge as a Christian and as a citizen. We are to hold back evil and to promote good. Here's a couple examples. Um, I was grieved to hear about, I was reading an article in the El Paso Times about how there is human trafficking that goes through El Paso. A lot of times they're not even kind of staying in El Paso, but they're coming through Mexico or from some other place through El Paso to another place. Um, and they wanted citizens to be aware. Friends, as citizens, we should see that and it should grieve us. And we should receive this charge in 1 Peter that we are to restrain evil and we, we are to advocate for laws and make sure there are laws that make that 
illegal. Uh, We are to advocate for local enforcement, to be swift and just in those cases. Here's another example. I was grieved when so much in one of the local school districts of El Paso came to light um, about cheating and other laws being broken and and that resulted in, in kids being hurt at the end of the day. And we are to ask as citizens, especially if you're in that district, how can we prevent that again? Um, Another example, if a politician is advocating an unbiblical and grieving position, we should seek to change their mind and we should seek to cast our vote and advocate for appropriate policies to restrain evil. But we are also to encourage good. In the first century, this would have been super obvious to the people there because whenever the government wanted to sort of promote something good, they would like literally build a giant monument to that guy or that thing. So if there was a war and a guy from a town kind of comes out of nowhere and rallies the people and, you know, fights off the Gauls or whatever, then they would build a giant statue of him in the square to say, see that? That's good. Do more of that, right? So literally, there would be these monuments and things and proclamations all over the place. And it's almost like Peter is using that imagery to say, I I want you to hold up, to lift up, to build monuments to things that are good, that reflect the character of God. Now, my, my grandfather served in the Air Force. And when he was buried at Fort Bliss Cemetery, He was honored at his burial. In in all likelihood, his work transporting nuclear weapons um, at a time when not a lot was known about nuclear weapons probably shortened his life. It was right to have men in uniform at his graveside. It was right to watch them fold that flag in honor and present it to my grandmother. It was right to honor people who've laid their lives down for their country. The government should honor what is right. The government should should applaud and highlight and spotlight and encourage what is right. We should, as Christians, take care of fellow citizens, help people in desperate situations, and promote what is good. Now, I will say this, that these categories are pretty broad, aren't they? Personally, I would like for there to be a little more specificity other than punish evil and praise those who do good, right? It's not super clear, but I think here's one rule of thumb that can help. We are to advocate more and loudly for policies where the Bible is most clear and loud. Um, we are not to advocate for better parking ordinances with the same volume as fighting human trafficking, right? We, we cannot advocate for a streamlined tax code with the same volume or tone as we debate whether to send our soldiers into harm's way. That there should be, using the Bible, there should be kind of a, a biblical and right prioritization that the most evil things should be restrained first and the most good things should be promoted first. And listen, there's all kinds of room for debate on how a better tax code can help people and, and do these things and, that, the, and the, these other things. But we should allow some biblical prioritization to take place there. We are also to honor governing officials while we 
in a sense, govern. It says at the end of this, I love this summary at the end where it says, honor everyone. You like that? Don't you wish there maybe were a few people that were excluded? Like, like maybe a certain person or people that you'd be like, well, except for, and Peter says, no, everyone. Everyone, honor everyone. We, we have a unique kind of push and pull as American citizens. We have to submit to the governing authorities that God has allowed to be over us and play our role in the government. And that's hard because when we play a role, we feel like sometimes, well, well, everybody's kind of on an equal plane for me. No, 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 no. God says we are still to honor everyone. Our unique governmental role does not negate our charge to honor everyone, especially governing officials. I love how Peter threw in. He knew his people would need this. Don't you love this? He knew that they would go, even the emperor. So he put it at the end, honor the emperor. Because they would be going, honor everyone, right, except for Nero, because that guy's crazy. And so Peter says, oh, by the way, yes, honor the emperor. I was a kid when President Clinton was caught in adultery. Um, one time I heard someone referring to the president, as a kid, I remember this, I heard someone refer to the president as Slick Willie. And I thought, as a kid, I thought that was funny. It sounded funny. But one notable thing, looking back about that whole thing, was that my dad and mom, at least in front of us, I'm sure, not in private, never referred to President Clinton as Slick Willie. They referred to him as President Clinton. And what he did, they were grieved by. And when they spoke about it, they were sad about it. But I think they walked through that, even kind of to me as a kid looking at them and the way that they understood this, they walked through that grieved that the government had not done good, but still honoring the office of the president that God had put in place as a governing authority. We are to honor everyone. We are also to love the brotherhood. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. While we submit to the government, while we vote, while we advocate, we are to love the brotherhood. That word means that we as Christians have been brought together in a family. The people in this room, the people who believe in Jesus are your brothers and sisters. So you need to hear this, friends. The Bible is not utterly clear and explicit about many, maybe even most, concerns of government in terms of sheer volume of governing laws. Whether to encourage smart growth or allow suburban home divisions, whether to have a tax rate high or low that encourages economic growth, whether to get involved in one world conflict versus another, how best to deter terrorism, how best to help the unemployed, None of those are spoken about in the scripture with as much clarity as we would like. And brothers and sisters in Christ can and do disagree about many of these questions. But friends, as we, as we in the brotherhood debate, discuss, advocate, seek to persuade, we must love the brotherhood. It does no good for you after community group to so like punish someone into submission to your view of the tax code and lose the brother. 
I, I'm so grieved when Christians do either one of two things. When they either make massive assumptions about what other Christians believe and then talk according to that. Like, oh, we all believe this, right? Or two, they know others disagree with them and just refuse to temper their speech. Listen, I'm not saying that you should not talk and dialogue and seek to persuade. I love that. I love a good debate. If you want to have a good political debate, I'd love to participate and watch you debate yourself because that's what I like to do. Just like throw in questions and see you try to answer them. I, I think there's a place for that as Christians. We should figure out what is the most effective strategy for promoting religious freedom. Is it, is it this way? Is it this other way? Is this this other's way? But through it all, we're to love the brotherhood. And so I think we could ask, when we talk with fellow Christians about these things, is there, a t is there a tone of love in the way that we discuss these things? That's the charge. We are to, to be under authority well. We are to be in authority as Christians well. Those are the two charges, but one purpose. There's one purpose here, friends, and that's very clear. The overall purpose in 1 Peter 2.9 is that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is working all things according to his plan to restore the whole universe and our part is to proclaim him right now wherever we find ourselves. And this applies to the details of our lives. We are, in 1 Peter 2.12, we are to keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against us as evildoers, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. And that, that thread is continued in verse 15 where he says that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So the, the ideas are the same last week and this week. The Christians are going to be pushed back on by their culture. They're going to be slandered. They're going to be questioned. Well then, Peter says, let it be that when they investigate us, they will find people who are living upright lives, who pay their taxes, who aren't speaking hateful things against government officials. And instead, they will find a life with many good works that point to Christ and result in that person who's investigating them seeing Jesus in their life and being pointed to him so that when Jesus returns, there'd be one more voice crying glory. That, that's the point. This means that all we do should have the effect of proclaiming and not distracting from Jesus. Christians submitting to the government today is a witness, even when others don't. Christians honoring those in authority today is a witness, even when others don't. Christians winsomely and with love playing a role in the government is a witness, even when others don't. We, we, we must remember, friends, the message that we proclaim and its effect on our political kind of framework. We must remember we are not proclaiming and building an earthly kingdom. Again and again, the disciples thought Jesus was going to build an earthly kingdom um, that would kind of be a, a nation state that Jesus would be the king of that would go and take back all the territory from the Roman governments. And again and again and again in the gospels, Jesus says, no, 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 I'm building something better. Look, I love Texas, okay? I've sought for seven years to convince my wife that Texas is the best country in the world because she's from Maryland. But the point of my life cannot be proclaiming Texas. 
I love America, but the point of my life isn't proclaiming America. We proclaim Jesus bringing his kingdom. One commentator, Ed Clowney, says this, we must trust the king to bring in his kingdom in his own way. That way was the way of the cross. Jesus came not to destroy people, but to save them. To accomplish that, he had to defeat the great oppressor, Satan. He had to redeem sinners from the guilt of sin. His hands did not grasp a sword, but were stretched out to be pierced with nails. He did not lift a spear, but received the thrust of the spear in his side. He did not come to bring the judgment, but to bear the judgment for us. Friends, Jesus assuredly is building a kingdom. In our hearts, in every heart, there is a longing for a place where things are finally right, where things are finally just, where things are finally true, where evil is all the way restrained, where good is all the way promoted, and we long for that, we yearn for that. But friends, we must remember what Jesus himself said, which is, it is not here, but it will come. And he, his deep desire is that we steward our time here right now in such a way that more and more and more people are in that kingdom. I thank God for America. I do. I thank God for the freedom that we have enjoyed. I thank God for, in so many ways, the heritage that we have received as American citizens. I want America to flourish. In the Old Testament, when, when God's people are taken into exile, even in the midst of a pagan nation, God says, I want you to go into the city and work for the good of the city. For in the city's good, you will find your good. How much more should we in a country like America go into the city and work for the good of the city? Go into our country and work for the good of the country. But it must, friends, it must be placed rightly in our thinking that America will not last in eternity. But there is a kingdom that will. And with every ounce of our energy, we want to bring people into that kingdom. If, if you are not a Christian, hear this from me. Maybe you're here, maybe you thought, this is super weird that I'm here for a, country, a message about politics and religion. I'm never coming back to this thing. Okay, that's fine. I want you to hear this, though. We want to bring you to love a country. We want to help you find your hope and happiness and joy in a country. But that country is not in this world. It's a better country. It's Jesus' kingdom that will come one day. And we all deserve to be on the outside of Jesus' kingdom. We all should be excluded from his country. But Jesus came and he submitted himself to being punished in our place so that we could receive citizenship for that better country. And so this is not a gathering of people who, who are like, well, we're on the inside. You're on the outside. You're the bad people. We're the good people and we're with Jesus. We're a bunch of people that used to be outside that Jesus has brought inside who now are saying everyone come in. There is a better country. The country you longed for and yearned for your whole life is just around the corner. Won't you join us? Won't you repent of your sins and, and believe in Jesus and join us in his better kingdom? A couple applications I, I want to I make sure that I hit today. Just in application of this point, don't ask politics to do what only Jesus can do. 
Uh, in this passage, Peter is very likely and very respectfully pushing back on the cult of the emperor. Uh, there was, in Peter's day, essentially a cult of people who worshipped the emperor as a divine being. These are people who thought the emperor would cure all that ailed the world. So Peter says, no, we honor the emperor, but we fear God. Did you catch that? Fear God, honor the emperor. Fear meaning he's the one you answer to. Now, this is important because too often I see Christians fixated on the next election or on the next law or on a set of political principles as if that thing will save us. The idol of the left is that the government will save us. And I'm sorry, but that is not true. The best government in the world cannot fix what's truly wrong with the world. The idol of the right is that free markets will save us and we need to get rid of the government so the free market can save us. That is not true either. Free markets cannot save your soul. And as Christians, we must remember that the great aim of our lives is not retaking the White House or the Senate or the school board. It is proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus so that people may see and be saved eternally. Don't let your political speech destroy your gospel speech. There is a place for clear, winsome, loving persuasion. We have a role to play in government, um, but the message we most want to proclaim and to proclaim the loudest is the message of the gospel. Listen, friends, let me just submit this. There should be a, a massive difference in passion, conviction and tone when we talk about the gospel versus when we talk about political things. If your unbelieving family would not be able to tell which one you are more passionate about, I would submit you have a problem. If your coworkers would not be able to tell just from knowing you which one you're more passionate about, I would submit you have a problem. We have a role to play in our government and some of that can be done Quietly, and there are other times where we must take a stand and speak loudly and forcefully and with conviction. Not the same way we speak about the gospel, but surely loudly and forcefully and with conviction about things. Just the way that William Wilberforce spoke loudly and clearly and passionately for decades against the slave trade in England until it was finally abolished. But the way we use our speech in our role in governing can destroy we, the way we use our speech to proclaim the gospel. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world, and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. 
Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.